Welcome to Cancel This Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sautel. My career as a firefighter, along with my faith in Jesus, has given me a unique view on things I am passionate about, such as current events, eternal truths, and transformational stories. On today's show, I'm going to have a conversation with my friend, Simon Brown, about some current events in Australia. Simon is a clinical counselor with 15 years of experience. He specializes in forensic assessment and treatment, complex mental health and behavioral issues, and is an expert in men's health. He's also a follower of Christ. Basically put, Simon is way more qualified than me in everything we're going to discuss today. And honestly, I'm kind of scared he might see through my fast talking and start forensically evaluating me. So sit back, relax, turn the volume down just a bit, and enjoy the ride you're getting ready to take on Cancel This Podcast. Simon, welcome to the show, man. It's such a blessing to have you here, bro. Jason, it's great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. All right. So the guest probably already picked up a little bit in your voice, maybe a, a different sound. Where are you at this exact moment, Simon, and where do you live? I'm down in Melbourne, Australia. I'm a local boy. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hanging out here with my family. I've got a wife and three boys and uh, the love of my life, my golden retriever. So uh yeah. Love it. Oh, that's so great, man. You know, and, and I got to be honest here, because I'm going to sound like a, a stupid, um, I'm typecasting myself. Do you guys even say that you're down there when you're staying in, down in Australia? Because to me in America, I'm like, yeah, you're down in Australia. But sometimes I think that can sound pretty dumb because you're like under us. But how do you guys use that term? Mate, I think um, we do feel a bit down here sometimes because we're so <laughs> away from everything else. And I think right. that's been highlighted even more recently with all kinds of things that are going on in the world you know we kind of shut off our borders down here for for quite some time so right well yeah. let's, let's talk about that because you know what that's what it, first off people always want to know how jason did you connect with this person well i love spending some time online in different uh areas and i saw some really good stuff that you were putting out there on linkedin and it just interests me because you were being very clear about the struggles that a lot of people are having right now in australia but you were also doing it in a way where you try to pour hope into the situations too, because I think by nature and your type of work, that's kind of just what you do, right? I mean, and if you could fill folks in on what type of work is it that you do? Yeah, I'm a clinical counselor, Jason. So um, I, I do a range of things. Um, part of my specialty is doing forensic work. So it's working with people who engage in offending behavior, prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have the the clinic side of the work where I predominantly see young men uh, with, you know, issues with life, uh, depression, anxiety, that kind of thing. Um, and then I do some professional training and clinical supervision and things with other professionals as well. Right. So have you noticed since the pandemic has kicked in and, and we'll, we'll start going over our thoughts in a little bit of what, you know, the, the lockdowns and the way it's being handled, but in general, right now, regardless of who you talk to, do you feel like anxiety is up? Depression's kind of increased. There's a lot of stuff going on there since it's all started. What's your take on that? We've seen a huge rise in, in anxiety and depression and other issues with people's lives. Uh, our referrals have gone through the roof, Jason. There's just simply not enough uh, services out there to meet the need. 
Um, so wow. that's been really sad to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, people yeah, you suffering. Know, right, and, and and that's something you know. Regardless whether you're you're in America or you know you're, you're in Europe or you're in Australia, I have noticed this past year just a struggle. And and for me being in the fire community, meaning fire department where, where I'm at and with all the folks that I talk to, bro, I'm not going to lie. I've even seen the suicide rate just skyrocket. Is that something that you guys are experiencing too? Yeah, we have seen that. Um, it seems like attempted suicide is way up. Uh, actual suicide is up, but mm-hmm. perhaps not as much as you might have thought. And there's some interesting thoughts on that because uh, we've been through considerable lockdown. In, down here in Victoria, we've actually been through the longest and hardest lockdown anywhere in the world, 262 days right. of hard lockdown. And right. that means that people have been locked in their houses with their family uh, and with other people. With birds, by chance? <laughs> yeah, they are, actually. Okay, yeah. sorry. I was just, I heard some birds talking there, so I just had to throw that out there. So. Yeah, that, you know, that's actually a cockatoo. They're very noisy. And, yeah, no, it's it's cool. I yeah. like having it. Sorry to interrupt you, bro, but also I heard the back, I'm like, wait, there's birds in there. That's so awesome, <laughs> man. So, but, but back to it. So the lockdowns, man, to not make light of that, they've been tremendous, right? I mean, it, it's, quote, like almost a crackdown, if you will. Yeah, it has been like that. Uh, you know, I suppose expanding on the crackdown element of it there, uh, part of the, the restrictions that we faced were things like not being out, able to go more than five kilometres, that's about three miles from your home, uh, having a 9pm curfew, so you can't go out after that time, only having four reasons to leave your home, uh, one of those being exercise, of which you could do an hour a day per person. Um, and then people trying to speak out, so we had people obviously trying to protest some of those things, and we had very brutal crackdowns uh, by police on that. So shooting of rubber bullets, pepper spraying people, um, lots of arrests. It was it was pretty confronting. And that's that's what. So what we've gone through, and I'm in Northern California, the northern part of the state. And you know, people like to say conservative, liberal. Each area is how it's handled and stuff. But regardless of where you are, when restrictions are placed upon you. It truly is a burden that first, with me, I'll be honest with you, anger came out. Then the anger manifested in a way because it really bugged me about how people were playing others against each other. Meaning, well, if you don't do this, or if you don't wear this, or if you don't go and get this shot, or if you go out, you're hurting other people. And then all of a sudden you're feeling like a criminal because you want your your freedoms and stuff, which then my anger started going to depression and anxiety because, number one, I like to think about things. I like to look at, you know, I mean, when we talk science, come on now, you know, I, I don't know where everyone's coming up with what science nowadays, but I believe an individual has the right to make their own determination of what's right or wrong. And if I realized I truly was causing harm to my neighbors for my beliefs, I'll be honest with you, shame on me. But with the way that I chose to live my life and freedoms, which there was an ounce of caution because I'm not saying things aren't real. They are real. But I think the overreaction to them is what's crushed a lot of people. Would you say that's a fair assessment of kind of what's going on in your area? Yeah, we've seen a lot of that kind of thing that the big debate at the moment is around 
uh, vaccination and, and people who are not vaccinated. And uh, in Victoria, we have, uh, in fact, more broadly in Australia, we have a lot of rules around where people who are unvaccinated can go and where they can't go. Uh, so you can't go to a restaurant unless you're double vaccinated. Um, and it's creating a division in our society based along those lines. And we're seeing emerging a, a real attitude of hostility towards people who for a variety of reasons have decided not to be vaccinated. And uh, it's sad to see uh, the, the kind of um, foundation of our society starting to, I think, break under the pressure that it's been placed under. Right. And, and I think, you know, I'm not saying that there's a master manipulator out there or a puppeteer, if you will, but what sometimes those who are in governance need to remember are policies that they put in place that take hard lines, then come down to people. And that's where the division happens. Now, whether someone's using that for their advantage or disadvantage of another side, I, I don't know. I have to look at it case by case and stuff. But when you start seeing the division, that, that's where I see the sadness. Like, I realize people even in the church have divided. And I'm like, isn't Christ bigger than all of this? Isn't he bigger? Can we listen? Can we understand? Can we learn? Can we grow? By all means. But it just crushes me to, to see it. Have you even noticed sometimes in the local churches where you're at, there's a division also? Yeah, it's been an ongoing debate. And, and I think, you know, uh, there are people of great faith who I have enormous respect for, who have a very different view uh, to me on whether we should divide as a church based along those lines. And uh, I, it's been difficult to have those conversations. Um, my view is that to do that is um, a, a huge problem. And I, I think that it goes against a lot of my reading of scripture. Um, just for example, you know, Jesus' criticism of the Pharisees when he observes that they are putting people uh, who are poorer in the poor seats in the temple. And, and that criticism was not excluding them from the temple, just putting them in the lower positions of lower uh, importance. Now, we're actually talking about excluding people from coming to church if they're unvaccinated. I, I see a huge problem with that. I, I, I you know, and I, I do too, honestly, because what I've tried to take is at our local church here, I, I, even though people go, wow, you're in California, it's super hardcore, it's this, that, or the other. I live in a part of the state where we also have our local authorities who are like, hold on. If you're in a major downtown area where spread was really rapidly and violently happening and stuff, which I, I did see that in certain areas, hey, there's some precautions you need to take. And in our area, which is more rural, guess what? We can take some good precautions, which are those who are worried about their immunities, who who are scared of, of contracting the virus. Well, then there's ways they can stay home and still partake. There is also if they want to get the vaccination, go for it. Well, I always live my life on Front Street. And I tell people I have had COVID twice now. Mm. And... It didn't kill me, but I also have a friend who 
it did take his life and he was younger and he was that. So when people say, Jason, you're being irrational in your views, I'm like, no, I'm very rational in my views because I feel it's real. But my friend who also died, he had some other issues going on with him medically that I don't have. So that's why I chose to to be able to live my life the way I do without bringing harm to other people, you know, and, and that's my biggest thing is taking away people's rights to choose on what type of medicines they're putting in their body. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that fundamental issue of, of freedom or autonomy is crucial to this whole discussion. Uh, you know, Jason, like in my work working in prisons, I worked with men predominantly who came into prison and lost their freedom. They lost choice over huge aspects of their lives, where they would go at what times. In the prison that I worked in, they were locked down for 16 hours out of the day, uh, and they only had a, a short period of time. They were out and had some small choices that they could exercise. The impact of that is a punishment. It's, it's extremely difficult as a human being to operate like that. And I think that um, lockdowns have created that, uh, have removed freedoms. And then furthermore, as you said, we've got this pressure being exerted, this sort of coercive influence over what's the right decision for people to make. And it's not even open for discussion. Right. Uh, you know, people are kind of told you have to follow the science um, as though there's a decision that's already been made that's right for you and you don't get a choice in it. Um, and there is a big psychological impact uh, of that. Right. Well, let me ask you about this. And, and, you know, I don't want to overly generalize, but my biggest fear in life, I've always told my wife is obviously I'm living right because God has called me to and, and to not do stuff. But I'll be honest, my biggest fear of prison is having someone control everything I do when I eat, when I sleep, like you said, go out there. So in the prison system, do you notice that when the men, even though I, I don't get me wrong, I believe many of them should go there and they should rehabilitate, which is a whole different show, the difference between just locking people down and rehabilitating them. But do you notice that their depression or whatever mental illness perhaps they had increases once they get into that locked facility initially because they're under such control? Yes and no. And this is really interesting, Jason. So uh, for some, certainly that's the case. You see these increased rates of anxiety and depression. And of course, one of the other things that prisoners are very often facing is confronting what they've done that brought them there in the first place and all kinds of feelings about that. But what's really scary is when you meet people, and I've met many, many of people like this who have become institutionalized mm -hmm. and they are actually happier behind the locked doors than out and free to make choices. Wow. And so let's now talk about that in society. Maybe there's people in society who feel happier and safer in an institutionalized society. Do you kind of see that parallel sometimes kind of happening too? I think it is. I think it's a parallel. Um, the, you know, making choices means taking risks and it means taking responsibility right. if the outcome doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. And some people don't want that responsibility. Uh, they want that to sit with somebody else. So right. I, I think that there is a temptation for that. 
And that that's where, you know, sometimes you hear people that fall into lines of socialism, communism, like that kind of stuff that, I mean, to me, communism would not be part of this world if there weren't certain people that wanted it. Let's keep it real, you know? And, so, and, and I sometimes wonder, though, a lot of people don't want it, but they don't realize how quickly and dangerously they can slide into it based on, well, let's let the government control. Let's let them decide. Let's do all this type of stuff. And what I appreciate about you is we, like I said, we're going to be in the areas that are kind of a tough conversation is how you stand up against that way of thinking along with some of the rhetoric that is poured down to people but you also do it in a way that shows your Christ-likeness. So I'm going to put you on front street now. How do you find that proper balance of be standing up for your rights, the rights of those around you, but also letting Christ shine through you? Well, Jason, I'll be honest with you. I don't think I've always got that right. <laughs> well, I, I'll give it back up to you. None of us do. You know, go to my social media. You'll find right away there's times like, ooh, Jason was very mad there. You know, so I hear you there. It's been a formative experience for me. Uh, I, I think my intention was I got to a point, Jason, where I saw these things happening and I decided that someone needed to speak the truth. And, and there are plenty of people out there who are doing that. Um, I'm only one voice in many, but I wanted to raise awareness about and start conversations um, and point out some of the things that I saw happening. And I think that speaking the truth is the key to all of this. And we'll probably come to talking more about um, the most important truths that we all need to know um, a, a little bit later. But part of that is just raising some of these things, even though there's a risk that you're going to be shouted down or mm -hmm. insulted or, you know, put on show, which is certainly one of the things that's happened. And I think you and I have both seen that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that disturbs me so much is, you know, I, I try not to go in and quote, stir up the cancel culture, if you will, because I'll be honest, there's a lot of canceling out within the church and without of the church, right? There's people within the church that it's immediately going to say, nope, I'm not for that. Therefore, I don't want anything to do with those people, which is a term I can't stand is those people, right? But because, you know, I'm sitting here on the sideline going, but Christ died for all of us all of us, Christ died for the murderers, the sinners, the tax collectors, the, the, the non-Christians. Obviously, we have to put our faith in him for salvation, but he died for all of us. So therefore, I want to make sure that I'm still approachable to those people and I don't just cancel a group out. And then there's the group, quote, on the outside of the church, meaning non-Christians who immediately just want to cancel everything because they're going to wrap us all into one little perfect baggage here saying, well, Jason Sautel said this and I disagree with him. You're a Christian. So you must be like Jason. And it's like, no, we got to be able to have these discussions. Like you said, and I've seen you have these discussions, even in social media out there where I'll come to you off. So I'm like, yeah, that guy's being a jerk. And then you'll throw it out there. You're like, Hey, he's just voicing himself. And then it kind of makes sense to me, you know? So how do you personally listen to the other side, even though maybe they're going to be stomping on you, if you will? Yeah, it's a really good question. And uh, like I said before, it's not always easy to do that. Um, in the work that I do in treatment work, in therapy, 
part of the key to that is creating a space where people can say things that might be offensive. And we, we go to a lot of effort to create that non-judgmental space mm-hmm. where people can say the things that they're struggling with. And in my offense-specific work, working with offenders, they say a lot of things that are offensive. And you know what happens, though, is as you talk about it, people's minds start to change because as we talk, we think, and that's how we form our thinking. That's what's so powerful about therapy is you talk to someone else and as you form those words and you you start to make those formulations of your thinking, things start to shift, things start to click into place. Um, So I think for me, giving people opportunities to voice themselves, having a dialogue is really valuable. It's our way towards truth and that's something I want to, you know, uh, encourage as much as possible. Right. And I, and I love that about you because what I've also seen is not that you're self-centered by any means, but when you're voicing your opinion, I also see you having to make that safe space around you too. You know what I mean? Because others aren't going to give you that safe space if you will, because they haven't been trained to your level. Um, do you sometimes find that intentional or unintentional? Because when you're really speaking out against something in your local government, which truly disgusts you to the core of who you are, how do you make sure that other people don't just shut you down or make you so angry? You don't want to move forward. I guess that'd be the better question is how do you continue doing what you're doing without getting so angry? Because no one's creating that space for you that you create for other people. Yeah. I think there's two things to that. One is I think you need to recognize that life involves taking risks. And so I know I take a calculated risk when I put those opinions out there and it's not always going to go well. It's not always going to be received well. It may not have the intended effects and I might bear some personal repercussions for that. Um, But I also think that God uses these opportunities And it's my belief in that that really forms the uh, taking that risk is that I believe that it will be used for good. That's so good. And and I love the way that you kind of explain that about taking calculated risks, because a lot of my writing, a lot of what I do falls back into my 22 years in the fire department. And in the fire service, we didn't just run into a fire. I mean, like, a moth just flies into a fire and we all know what happens a moth when it goes into a fire it sizzles and dies because it wasn't calculating the risk involved with being drawn to the light, right? If, oh, wow, I could go with that drawn to the light, but you're not going to burn if you get drawn to the light where you and I are going to discuss later on. But, but with that being said, when a house was burning, we took calculated risk, meaning we know we could go in and bad things could happen to us. So we were trained up we brought the tools, equipment that we need, and we brought people with us to do the job and get it done. We just didn't charge in and burn up like a moth, if you will, and stuff. And that's something that I love about this conversation that we're having is because, yes, it's okay to talk. It's okay to have that calculated risk. But sometimes, and I'll throw it back my way, I'll be up at two in the morning. I'll be so angry at something I read on Fox, CNN, or NPR, whoever it is, okay, all the media, and I'm so angry, but now I am just charging into the conversation with pure anger, 
And that's not a calculated risk. Do you ever sometimes find yourself having to pull the reins back because you're charging in out of anger? Yeah, big time. I think anger is uh, anger is usually a sign that something's not right. Mm-hmm. You know that there's an injustice or that, that there's something has happened that needs to be corrected, and we are really easily drawn into that. I know that I am, but that self righteous kind of anger can make us treat other people terribly. And I've been guilty of that many times um, in my life. Uh, And I've certainly been very tempted uh, over more recent, you know, experiences over the last couple of years. Um, I think that, you know, we need to recognize that sinful impulse in us uh, to do that. And hopefully we also have people around us, you know, our wives, good friends, our church that helps to point out when we're starting to fall into that right. and that we can lean on them as well. Right. And I, and I'm so agreement there with you. I love it. How you talk about anger is kind of like a barometer, right there. We're in a storm, the, the barometric pressure change, something's going on in me and stuff. And I'm really angry. And, and when I look within our Bible, I see everywhere that God is okay with the anger we feel, but he's very clear about how we're supposed to respond to it with it. And to others, that's where it's at, you know, being a fool in full then. I'll tell you what, Simon, as a as an author, some of my greatest pieces of writing have come out of straight anger. I'm talking about every, it was like, wow, this is on fire. And then my wife, my pastors, my elders, like, wow, Jason, you're pretty angry when you wrote that. I'm like, yeah, I was I'm like, wow, that's so good. Now go pray. Now show people the gospel through this anger, through this issues that you're feeling and go back and clean it up a little bit. You know what I mean? You're listening to the Edify Podcast Network. We'll be right back. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. This is the Edify Podcast Network. Welcome back. What I'm realizing is I have to truly be cautious to not become the news, which news is supposed to report an instance, then pull away. But what is news nowadays? It's pull at the heartstrings, pull at the emotions, pull at your base, whatever your base likes, pull at their strings to rile them all up. Well, I'm in the land of sin. If I write just to rile people up now, if I pull back and I write in a way that's just saying, Hey, here's what I've seen. This is what I think is happening. And I think this is a good way we can hit it head on because I'm not a newsman, news reporter and stuff. I think that's a good way to do it. Do you personally, well, I know it's a stupid question, but you see it, right? You see news agencies and papers, everything just stirring people up, right? All the time. The clickbait kind of culture in in the media these days is to put out a catchy uh, and, uh, you know, inflammatory kind of headline just to get people to click on it. And the more interactions they get, then the better the revenue for them. So, yeah, it's an incentivized kind of system of provocation. Um, And it doesn't lead to any sort of fruitful 
conversations or information. I, I think that's something I'm really conscious of on social media too, Jason, is that um, there are uh, times when those productive conversations happen, but there's also times where you encounter people who are trolling. You know, really right. what they're out to do is find a fight with somebody and they get some gratification from provoking other people into a fight. Right. And what's what I've also seen over the past few years is how people have gotten so much better at it with fewer words, meaning in the Twitter sphere, Twitter space. And that's why I, I don't tell people I walk away from stuff. But I'll be honest with you, Twitter, I just couldn't be part of anymore because I, I always say, hey, don't run, be the light. I ran out of Twitter like a coward, okay? <laughs> just because personally, I, I had to shield, I had to come up with a shield to myself to not get so angry because you can write some, you can just stir people up with eight simple words or how many letters you're allowed to use. And, and like you said, people did. So it's like mantras. I can't stand mantras because you don't know the content behind it. Like people are going to drive nuts when I say this, like make America great again, dude, that drove me nuts. Because like, America's great. We're growing. We're moving forward. What do you mean again? And, so, and I saw, oh, four quick words here to stir people up, to get the, get the movement going. Just like stay home, stay safe. Oh, that drove me nuts. You know, I'm like, why would I stay home to stay safe? I don't have the flu. If, I am, if I'm not sick, I shouldn't stay home. Okay, I'm not hurting anyone. And, and I just realized how we can take these few words and cause so much destruction with them on all sides. Okay. And again, I don't want to get all fully political and talking about, you know, the presidents and here in America and stuff. Cause when people say, Jason, who do you vote for? I'm like, I haven't had anyone worth voting for. And I don't know since I've been voting. Therefore I just look at whoever go has the best policies. How about that? Because if I was looking for the Christian, there's a good chance I probably would be voting in any election. Yeah, Jason, you know, that, that point that you made there about the sort of mantras that people get behind and it, it forms a kind of representation of a group and their, mm. their beliefs. Right. Uh, and, and there is a, a dangerous element to that mm -hmm. where we have a, an othering kind of effect where people are kind of labeled in a way and, and then are denigrated because they fall under that label. And we're seeing a lot of that happening at the moment. I think, you know, the Make America Great Again, the 2016 kind of elections, we saw the the same sort of things happening with uh, Trump voters being described as deplorables. Mm -hmm. You know, you have these labels that we add to people right. and then they get treated as a broad strokes kind of thing, right. as, right. you know, worthy of being kicked out of society. You nailed um, it because we'll, we'll put, oh, you're a conservative. Oh, you're, you're a lefty. You're a right. I'm like, I, what do you, where's all this coming from? I'm right-handed. What do you mean? I'm a lefty or the righty or this, that, but Jason, you're conservative. Yeah. Cause I conservatively hate and liberally love. So I'm a liberal. How about that? You know, but then all of a sudden these terms have been hijacked by certain, you know, parties or whatever you want and groups of people. And if you say, yeah, I lean to the left. Well, guess what? It's because I had hip surgery on my right. So I lean to the left. But if I just say that all of a sudden people freak out and it's just so funny. Like you said, how those mantras have been taken, you know, just like categorizing who's essential, who's not. That's another show just in its own, right? Yeah, it is. And that's, you know, I think that's case in point for me. Um, that we've created these new groups of people in society and now 
uh, down here in Australia, we actually have digital passports uh, that you need to present in order to enable you to do certain things, including hold certain positions of employment. Uh, you need to have that vaccination digital certificate. And uh, people who don't have it are looked down on and they're seen as the kind of placing everybody else at risk, which of course is not true. It's right. conflating people who are ill with a disease with mm-hmm. people who are just simply haven't had the vaccination for it. Uh, the two are not the same thing, but that's the, the propensity because as human beings, we like categories. We like to lump things together. We like to simplify. And we also like to be in the in group. Right. And that requires right. an out group. And that's what's right. happening at the moment is we've got this in group that's being created. And some of those people, unfortunately, are enjoying the, the aspect of being at the top of the hierarchy. Right. You know, that that's so true that you're throwing it out there like that, because that's what my wife struggled through so hard these past few months was they, they would sit there and say, well, you have choices. Well, her choice was to either get a shot or lose the job that she is so loved, which she sees it more because she's a labor and delivery nurse. So she sees it as a ministry that she gets to be with moms and babies and all this. And she, for 18 months of the pandemic, she saw sick people come through her hospital. She really did. So she's like, yeah, this is the real deal and everything and and everything. And she chose to take care of them and she put on a mask when needed because she was there taking care of them and stuff. And, and she even caught COVID. And when she did, she stayed home and she stayed safe, right? She stayed safe and went through the testing. And we agreed with the testing protocols because she had it and she did not want to make anyone sick whatsoever. And then all of a sudden now they said, but now 18 months in, we're going to strip everything away from you unless you get this shot. And it was just, it was so painful to watch her go through that because on the scientific side, she met all the antibodies. She had all this stuff. Other people who had gotten the shots long ago had all worn off, you know, and so they hadn't been forced to get boosters, but she's getting forced to get a vaccination when she already has higher antibodies. So when they say follow the science, that's why I tell people like, what science are you truly following? That's my question. Because between you and I, I believe in the same science as anyone else. I just believe God created it and we need to steward it properly. What are your thoughts on where people are getting their science nowadays? Yeah, that's a really good question. Something that stood out to me from what you were saying there was the tendency for an arbitrary kind of category of good person or safe person to be created. And the science says that if you're vaccinated, then you're a good person. And if you're not vaccinated, then you mustn't care about other people. And obviously, that's not what the science says. It's being a bad steward of the science to suggest those kind of things. And yet that is what is being propagated. And then the danger that we face is one of the things that I, I wrote about, um, Jason, that, that you might have been referring to mm-hmm. earlier, was this experiment back in the 60s by the third grade teacher, Jane Elliott where she was so appalled after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and so appalled by the situation of, of racism uh, that she decided to do an experiment with her third grade class. And what she set out to, to demonstrate was, 
first of all, to give her students an opportunity to experience what it's like to be discriminated against uh, arbitrarily, and that it was it was a um, an in vivo kind of experience, you know, a lived experience, not just talk. And so what she did was she separated these children into these groups, the, the blue eyes and the brown eyes, and she made the blue-eyed group the minority. And she said that they weren't as smart, uh, that they weren't as clean, and that the brown-eyed children should avoid them and not play with them. And she even got the brown-eyed children to put armbands on the blue-eyed ones to distinguish them so that they, should, they could be identified at a distance. And what came out of that experiment was that it very quickly devolved in the course of a day it devolved into the brown-eyed children name-calling and using blue eyes as an insult towards the others and ostracizing them and not wanting to play with them in the playground and it culminated in violence fights between the children over this in just one day and i think what you're kind of describing there is we've had this label created and it under that label come all of these assumptions about the character of that person that don't match up. Your wife is a caring person. She's chosen a caring profession because she loves to help people and to, to be there for mothers and their new babies. Um, they're not looking anymore at her behavior. They're looking at the label. And that's, a, that's not how society works well. That's how societies become divided. That's so good, man. And this is something that I love to teach, preach, and throw out to people because I grew up in an area in Southern California in a small inland town where everyone looked by me. It's no fault of my own whatsoever. Then I became a fireman in Oakland, which truly is one of the most diverse cities in the world. And when people say, well, why, why is it so diverse? We just have so many cultures and there, you know, the hundreds of different languages that are speaking there. And what I have learned is how people sometimes get scared because they haven't learned other people. Like, like when you're talking about with those kids there. So I love learning about other cultures. I love asking about them. I love to say, why, 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 why are you doing that? And it's not a why, because I'm trying to change you. I want to get to know. And here is a very tough instance that I'm going to give. So I was on a fire where rioters were throwing rocks at us. Literally, they lit a building on fire and they were throwing rocks at us. And as the firemen, we're not used to that, right? Because we're, quote, the good guys. We're just showing up trying to make it better. We're not the judge, the jury, the cops. And then we get home and we, we will show back up when you're hurting again. And I was so angry. And I remember looking at my captain and I said, gosh, darn it, I'm going to turn my fire hose on those people. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, Jason, just keep fighting the fire. Just keep fighting the fire. But I saw something in my captain's eyes. I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I destroyed him. What happened there? Well, my captain was born and raised, the captain at that time, in Birmingham, Alabama, through the 40s, and he went through segregation. So when we got back to the firehouse, he said, if you truly say like this, he'll, Jason, I love you. And I want you to hear my heart when we talk about this. He's all, I wanted to turn the fire hoses on those idiots that were throwing rocks and bricks at us because it was hurting. We're trying to do our job. But he's all, Jason, when you said that to me, 
it was in my DNA from things that I experienced because I couldn't drink out of the same water fountains, go to the same schools. And the firemen turned their hose on me. And when you said that, it, it, it pierced my heart through and through. Well, guess what? He taught me why that statement hurt him so well. I wasn't purposely using that statement to destroy him or say, turn the fire hoses on protesters. Heck no, I'd never say that. I just wanted to turn the fire hose on the guy that's throwing a brick at my head. (laughs) You know what I mean? And that's why, like what you said, it is so important that we have to learn people, not label them, understand we all have differences and listen to those differences, you know? And, and I really appreciate you putting out there. And honestly, this is the first time I put that story out because you know, being in California, a lot of people freak out when they hear that story, but I'm like, no, there's a whole lot of love and understanding behind it, you know? Yeah. I love that story. You know, it, what it highlights is that our past experiences really inform the way we react to the things that are happening now and his experience of discrimination and so on gave him a, a heart for the experience of those people. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is one good thing coming out of all of this experience of, of lockdown mm-hmm. is that it's certainly given me renewed perspective and a greater understanding of some of the challenges that some of my clients have gone through. Those who face imprisonment, those who face restrictions in the way that they live their lives, those who have been ostracized for various reasons. And that makes me better at what I do. Uh, so that's something that, you know, I, I think that it, despite the challenges that we're going through, there are good things coming out of that. And I think there's lots of others as well. Right. And that's, you know, as we start to to tie it all together here, that's kind of where I wanted to give you the floor again. And we kind of hit it a few times from your clinical training and your education, your background, your knowledge. What are some specific things people can do right now, regardless of where they land on any issues? Meaning if they're just struggling right now with the pandemic and the lockdowns and the darkness and the fear of the unknown, what are some tangibles that people can take away and uh, use to get through this time? All right. Two things. One is all of this difficulty that we're facing at the moment, that feeling of aloneness, the questioning, the purpose of things, that's pointing towards the fact that we can't just focus on the enjoyable things, the pleasurable things, the entertainment of the now. We have an eternal destiny that we need to think about. And that questioning is a good thing. People need to pursue that they need to start to think about what is their purpose in life? What is the thing that gives their life meaning? And I would encourage them to go to the Bible, to go to Jesus and see what Jesus has to offer. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. We'll talk more about that in a moment. Right. <laughs> the other one is learn to really listen to people. And I think this is more going back to that clinical training is people often don't listen. They listen to respond to what someone has said to them. So they're calculating in their mind what their response is going to be, but they're not really with that person trying to understand them. And there's a lot of that happening at the moment. There's a lot of retorts and a lot of counter arguments, but not a lot of listening. We need to deeply listen. And that means 
really listening to understand the other person, where they're coming from, why it is that they think what they think. And one of the ways you can do that is to try and repeat back to the person what it is that they're trying to tell you to get the essence of the meaning of that so that the other person can say, yes, that's exactly what I meant. Then you know you've hit the nail on the head. And that's how we bridge that gap. I like that because I think all too often, even pre-pandemic and and life in general, we always want to push back. Like you're saying, there's always, it's always bugged me. Hey, I'd like to push back on that statement you made. Well, I love how you're saying instead of pushing back, that tells me that you didn't listen, that you already had the response ready to go. I think a better response a lot of times can be, could you give me clarity on that? I'm still not grasping it, you know, and, and because there's a lot of times I'll hear people like, I, I just can't get the flow of what they're trying to get out to me. And then I'm an interview. So I'm going to start interviewing them to try to get it. And you're right. A lot of times it's just like, Hey, Simon, I didn't catch that part about Jesus making things better. Could you uh, give me a little more on that? You know what I mean? That, that's, I think it's a huge point, man. I really appreciate that. Hey, bro, before we finish out here, I want to give you the platform and just say, you know what? Have at it. Is there anything you'd like to speak into before we bounce out of here? I think the last thing for me, Jason, and this is really probably the, the main thing that brought us together, I think, is our... Uh, Christian beliefs. And I think for me, that opportunity right now, as we're recording this, is the lead up to Christmas. And we're going to have a time now where people are celebrating together. They're around family. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be different views, perhaps now more than ever, uh, about all sorts of things. And I think a lot of people don't know what Christmas is about. And so, I would love just to say, uh, find out what Christmas is about. Perhaps when people are listening to this, it might be the lead up to Easter. Find out what Easter is really about. Uh, The answers to happiness, to peace are there. I love that, dude, because at the end of the day, hope is what we need. And, you know, it's so cliche, but that whole thing, man, is some days all all I got is hope in the Lord is what gets me through the day. Now I don't use it as an excuse to stay down in the bottoms of where I am. But let's be honest, some days it's just nice to fall back into his arms and hang on to that hope, gain the strength and the rest that we need so we can keep pushing forward in his strength as opposed to ours, which which constantly wears up. Hey, Simon, I so appreciate you having you on the show. Now, if anyone is listening to this show from your neck of the woods down there in Australia, how could they get a hold of you if they wanted to learn more about what you do and what it is that your your place does? Well, they can uh, look me up online. Uh, They'll find me on LinkedIn, uh, Simon Brown. I work for a private practice called Salty. Um, and yeah, uh, look us up by all means. Perfect. All right, Simon, I appreciate you, brother. And you have a great day. And thanks for hanging out for a little while. Thanks, Jason. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cancel This Podcast. If you could do me this huge favor before you log out, it would be a total blessing. Please rate the show, hit that subscribe button, and tell someone about it. Thank you so much, my friend, and have a great day.
Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Becca Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.